Um, I want to talk a bit to you about confession. But did you, I want to just let you know that you have the power to silence Jesus. I just want to just put it out there and I'll explain it later. I never thought when, you know, that I could silence Jesus. The Bible says we can limit him, but I never thought I could silence him. And we're going to share a little bit about it, that it could be that you are silencing Jesus. It doesn't mean, you know, we sometimes think, oh, am I sinning? No. I want to just show you something, because when I... When I saw this, it changed the way I am thinking. See, it's the more you confess, the more you release. The church has done an excellent job of teaching us how to confess our faults. So when you look at through church history, and you look at most of the books written, where every time you say the word to confess, you think, what have I done wrong? This is family. So church, I remember um, one, of, one of my leaders came to me. We were having an event and he went to his mum and said, Mum, would you like to come to church? And she goes, why? I already know what's wrong with me. So, so church has had this, um, not, not our church, right? But he's had this thing of I come to church and you're going to fall fine. We think of it, it's like going to a doctor. Uh, the reason you go to a doctor, it's not because you're well, it's because you're not well, correct? So sometimes we think that that's just like Jesus. And so when you hear the word confess, it actually, it does mean Paul, uh, David said, when I confess my faults, but I want you to watch this. The word confess, when it's used, in, especially in the book of Psalms, is used more for confessing on what God is doing, not on what you've done wrong. Watch this. In Psalm 118, verse 1, it says this. Keep on giving your thanks to God, for He is good. In constant, tender loving lasts forever. Now, what I want you to notice something is this term called thanks to God. So what is amazing about Psalm 118, it starts off by giving continual praise of, to God and it finishes it off. So it's, the book ends on Psalm 118 is all about giving thanks. Now, the, the, the phrase that says giving uh, thanks to God, when it's taken in the literal Hebrew, it can be, it's pronounced give praise to God constantly acknowledge the Lord or even confess to the Lord. So the question we have here is what are we to confess? So one of the things that you realize in life is that you are constantly confessing something. So when I ask you, if somebody asks you how are you how was your day? You're given a confession. When somebody says, how is your job? You're given a confession. So when you understand how powerful confessions are, in the criminal law, when somebody is suspected of something, the pressure that the police or the justice department puts on them is give 
them a confession. They're trying to get a confession out of you. So what do you want to realize in spiritual warfare in your life? The pressure is on you to make a confession. That is why when, you, when somebody does something wrong to you, you ring up a friend and make a confession. When you, when you feel something's not right, somebody's done something, you want a confession out of them. As parents who do that, the kids go, Dad, I'm sorry. What are you sorry for? Are you really sorry? We're trying to get a confession. So when you realize how, and a confession starts with words. So we are living on what we have confessed. But when you realize that confession, it does not you have the power on what you confess. God has the power on what you confess. And so Satan also has the power on what you confess. You good? So we feel under pressure to make a confession. You make a positive confession. The moment you do that, there's pressure to make a negative one. Now, when you start talking about confession, this is just... This is the beginning, okay? Everybody said this is just the beginning. If you get this, you're going to keep Jesus busy because Jesus wants to be kept busy. Now, confession always goes from the heart. The Bible says out of the heart comes thoughts and things like that. So the question that we want to put this in is the power of confession. When I realize the power of confession, when Apostle Paul was teaching about how to get saved, he starts with confession and not with faith. Watch this. It's that when you understand the power of confession, confession works like giving. The Bible tells us that when I give, I shape my heart. What you do shapes the heart. So when you love somebody, you give something to it, and in the act of giving, your heart is reshaped. Your heart is changed. Now watch this. When Paul starts to talk, see, I always preach the gospel about changing, is about, hey, you know what, what's in your heart? Say what's in your heart. But then I realized that confession has the power to change the heart. Watch this. In Romans 10, verses 6 to 10, it says this. But the righteousness based on faith, which produces right relationships, says the following. I want you to watch this. Is that the word of God tells us this. Righteousness speaks. So the right standing starts to speak. So God says your position is starting to speak. Verse 7. And then he says, oh, sorry, verse 6. says, do not say in your heart. Watch this. Your heart speaks. The word of God is moving us on so that he can release more. And he says, don't say in your heart. So your heart works on words. Your heart is not a pumping machine. Your heart has memories. That is why when now, when they do a heart transplant, most people that have a heart transplant get two memories. 
you will realize that there'd been, there'd been, there, there was one guy that got a heart transplant and he was a classical musician. Okay, he plays the violin. He, he, everything else is wrong except classical music. He has a heart transplant. Everything goes really well. On his way home from work, he pulls into uh, what's the name, a record company back then and goes, gets acid rock. Now, acid rock is to me was that if you can't play music, play it really loud and then people will enjoy it. So he comes home and his, and his wife hears this banging, everything is shaking and he's going, oh, and he goes, what happened? And she goes, he goes, he goes well, he kind of wake, wakes up and he goes, what's going on? And he goes, I don't know, I went past the record shop, I went into this one, I picked it up. He did some research and what he found was that the heart transplant he had, the guy was an acid rock musician. So you see, your heart retains stuff. Your heart speaks, your heart feels. The Bible says, you know, watch your heart because above, or above anything else, it flows life. Now, do not say in your heart, so there's a certain things you're not allowed to say. Number one, it says, who will ascend into heaven? That is to be in Christ out. Another word was this. Do not say the answer that I am looking for is in heaven. So all of a sudden, it's now locating you where the answer is. It says, don't let your heart say, if only God would open the windows of heaven. If only somebody could reach up into heaven for me. He says, don't say that. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ from the dead. As if we had to be saved by our own efforts doing the impossible. So both of those things that I'm saying here is do not say in your heart, it's out of my reach. It's either in heaven or it has been buried for so long. So he's there saying, what am I not allowed to say? I'm not allowed to say my answer is in heaven. I'm not allowed to say the answer is buried in the ground. So now God locates it. But what does it say? Listen to this and watch this. Let this drop from, from the head to the heart. The word is near you in your, where is it? Now, why don't you just, just, we'll just stop there. Apostle Paul doesn't put the heart first, he puts the mouth first. Um, how many of you have been saved here for more than one month? Put your hand up. We get trained, I have read Romans 10 and I have preached for it for over 20 years. And I would just look at it and my mind would sequentially go to, oh, that's what it's saying, that's what it's saying. And then now rereading re it, I realized that Paul puts the mouth before the heart. How many of you thought it was the other way around? Put your hand up. How many, don't, how many of you never going to put your hand up? Put your hand up. <laughs> now, now watch this there. So he starts off, the first thing he does... He says, the word is near you, number one. Understand that the word is right next to you now. Right now, what you need is near you. It's graspable. It's for you. 
It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word, the message, and the basis of faith that we preach. And then he does it again. It says, because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. The power of confession changes the heart. Now, let's keep on reading. Recognizes his power and authority and majesty as God and believes in your heart that he raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want you to see the progression. The progression is mouth, heart, faith, confession is last. So you start off with confession. So what happening is this, is if your heart is lacking something, you speak to it. And when you speak to it, it changes the heart, and then out of the heart, faith flows, and when faith flows with a confession, miracles happen. So when people say, I haven't got it in me, is that you start to speak to yourself. You start to say, okay, so if I haven't got anything, I, first of all, I have to make a confession, because we've been taught this, don't say it if you don't believe it. Oh, come on, I can, I can, you prayed for me, the pain is still there. I can't say that I'm healed. I can't say it. And yet Apostle Paul here totally wraps it around and says, recognizes his power, authority and majesty as God and believes in your heart that, he, uh, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the heart comes afterwards. Uh, look, let's keep on going. Look at verse 10. For with the heart the person believes in Christ the Savior, resulting in his justification. That is, his being made righteous, being freed from guilt, sin, and made acceptable to God. And with the mouth he acknowledges and confesses his faith openly, resulting in confirming his salvation. I want you to watch this. This is a progression. When you speak, your heart changes. So... When you say, my answer's in heaven, your heart is changed. You are putting something in your heart. When you say, I am unlovable, your heart changes. When you say, I am unworthy, your heart changes. When you say, it's not working. How many of you, I'll put my hand up first. I want this to be a hand up church. How many of you have ever said about putting something that God told you to put into practice and, and then after a couple of months you said this to Jesus? Jesus, it's not working. Uh, okay, uh, and if you still believe it, keep your hand down as well. So you can keep it up or keep it down. See, what, one of the pressures is, is that the moment we start to speak to the heart, there's a supernatural, because words are supernatural. So when I speak, these are supernatural words, and we come into the heart. So Paul says this, before anything, you start to speak to the heart. So you hear the gospel, and you do this, Jesus loves me. What do you do? You speak to your heart. Fabiani, Jesus loves you. And I might have been anti-God. I might have been, I oh, know, I don't believe in that. But when I hear it. 
See, let me just show you now why there's such a push not to get into praise and worship. Because worship is a confession. And when you confess, your heart changes. Right now, you should be absolutely wrapped that we've got church on Saturday night. Because right now, within half an hour, your heart has had surgery. And your heart is right now better than it was when you came in. You should be, you should be taking the users out for dinner. <laughs> from what I understand, a doctor's a heart surgeon consultation is anywhere from 500 to 750 per 15-minute visit. So right now, we want to go back to the tithes and offering. No, 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 no. I'm only joking, I'm only joking. But you see, what, one of the things we've done when we're realising is, is we said in um, uh, Psalm 18, what, verse 1, is that when I make a confession, I am not just worshipping Jesus, I'm making a confession. When I say God is good, I'm making a confession. See, the reason sometimes our heart rejects the word is because we've been feeding our heart the stuff that we shouldn't. So every time that I confess the word, my heart changes. And when my heart changes, faith is released. You good? So we, I always thought, man, I've got to believe it first. I've got to believe it first. I've got to believe it first. And God says, if you want to believe it, confess it first. So what we've sometimes done is we're waiting for this feeling of, I've got faith. We're waiting on this. But God says it starts off. Look, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite stories on this is you've heard it, but you need to hear it again. It's Dr. Yeomans. Dr. Yeomans was working in critical care. And uh, her, this is back in the 1920s. And so she was looking after people that were on their way that they had no hope. Medicine uh, had failed, not failed, but they, their disease exceeded the boundaries of the medicine. And so they were just putting these patients in a room and just waiting for them to die. And God spoke to her and says, I want you to open up a clinic where you take all the people that, that, that have exceeded medicine and I want you to put them in there. So she would get him in, and she's a trained a doctor that would go through all that, make him really comfortable. And then she'd come up with her Bible, and she goes, I've got some medicine for you. And she goes, what is it? It's a scripture. And I said, excuse me? And I goes, no, no, no. I want you to keep repeating a scripture. Now, we're talking people, not faith people, but people that are just, they're desperate. So she would just give them, you know, to, to one lady. She was dying of TB. So she goes, what's, she goes, what's my medicine? Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 6. By his stripes I am healed. And so she, two to three weeks went by, and then this woman was instantly healed. And, and people were saying, what happened to you? And she said this, I kept confessing this scripture, and then all of a sudden something changed, and I got healed. You good? So one of the things when you realize is the power of words is that my confession is always changing things. My confession is changing my heart. The Bible says, guard your heart for 
out of life, all the issues of life come out of it. So if something negative is coming out of your heart, you change it first by speaking. So you first use your mouth, you speak to your heart, faith is released, confession is made, something amazing happens. Now watch this. Now we're going to the really good part. Everybody say the really good part. The first part here is that Paul tells us how we can change your heart. So can I just put a pause here? Let me just talk to you about relationship. Every relationship is hurt more by the power of confession than an act. Because confession can change an act. But when you say, I'm falling in love, I'm sorry, I am falling out of love with you, I no longer find you interesting. I am, you know what you're doing? You've just changed your heart for a breakup. The moment you say you don't like someone, you've changed your heart. The moment you go, I don't like spaghetti. I don't know how you could say that. You change your heart. See, one of the things we never realize, before there's an actual change, there is something spoken. So what you do is parents. You never go, I don't like my kids. Oh, the kids are a drain. Do you know how much I used to, I used to go, do you know how much kids cost? <laughs> Worst confession I've ever made. Okay, that was for free. Now, in the book of Hebrews, something significant happens when you start talking about confession. The writer of the Hebrews joins Jesus as our high priest and confession together every time he mentions confession. Let's first let, let's look at Hebrews 3.1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Right now, he's talking to saved people. He's talking to people that are saved. And he says this, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. Or it's also translated confession, Christ Jesus. What's a high priest to do? Let's say that this pulpit is God and I'm Jesus. A person comes to Jesus and gives an offering. And then Jesus takes that offering and he gives it to the Father. So in the, when Jesus is talking here, when Paul is, uh, I believe it was Paul that wrote this, they had this mental picture, is I never could go into the Holy of Holies. I needed somebody to take it in for me. And here, right here now, is that the writer over here is saying that Jesus is your personal high priest. You good? And he's a part of your confession. Now, let me just start here. How can he be the high priest of your confession if you don't have a confession? Jesus can only be a high priest to you if you are in confession. So if you don't confess anything, he can't act on it. If he can't act on it, it's not going to materialize. Just think about this. 
says, I'm the high priest. I need your confession. Look at, look at Hebrews 14, 4, 14. Inasmuch as we believers have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of faith and cling tenuously to our absolute trust in Him as Savior. And I want you to watch this. Is the moment, this is where the battleground is, the moment you make a confession in the spiritual dimension is to make you reverse the confession. You come up, uh, okay. How many of you, when you were sick, you got prayed for, the pain got worse? You're asking God for finance and you then lose your job. Right? You, you, you make this confession and then you go, I don't know what's happening. The, the Bible says you need to hold tightly to it because what the pressure is, change your confession. Okay, I've been counseling people on a, like on a, as, as a pastor professionally, if I can say that, since 1992. You wouldn't believe how many people have changed their confession. Ted, I used to believe that God would provide. I don't believe that anymore. I believe that God was for me, not against me, but I don't believe that. So they started with a confession. But then there was a pressure to change their confession. Now, look at verse... Look, um, look at Hebrews 10. Let us seize and hold tightly our confession of hope without wavering. For he who had promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. So... Now, let's take this to the level that, that I really feel the Holy Ghost wants to take it. Is that problem some of us have here is that we only make one confession and leave it. Going back to our first verse in Psalm 118, it starts off with continually saying something. It's a continuous, what's my confession? I am loved. So do I stop it? No, every day I make a confession. Every, every day I make a confession about Sylvain. I tell her she's my wife, just in case she forgets. <laughs> right? Now, see, one of the things that God says, every time you make a confession, God says, great, now I'm busy. See, the moment you stop confessing, Jesus is quiet. So the father looks at Jesus, what's wrong with you? Well, Ted, Ted slept in and made no confessions yet. See, every time you make a confession, today I will ex exceed my boss's expectation. Guess what? Jesus takes that confession and he starts to work on your behalf. I, I, I remember a time where this... Um, now, okay, we're going back into the 80s. Everybody, how many... Most of you don't know the 80s. Ask, go to Wikipedia and ask what happened in the 80s. Right? There, was, there was hardly any electronics. The mobile phone was like 10 kilos. You knew that people that had mobile phones was to walk like this. Now, I went, there was a, a conveyor company that went, uh, used to have about three or four kilometers of conveyor belts. And I get this call. Uh, we want to stop the conveyor at any given 
point for two kilometers. Now, there was no electronics then, right? And you couldn't, to do, make a physical wiring was going to take so much. And so you know what I did? I made a confession. I looked at them and I smiled, I can do this. I sat in my car and I said, what were you thinking? And I made a confession. But what I think this thing is, I was a sales engineer with a silent partner. Jesus. So Jesus took my confession and he said, Ted, what are we going to do? So I'm having lunch and I go past a yacht shop where they do all the things, you know, for pulleys and things like that for yachts. And I'm eating my lunch and I feel the Holy Ghost says, go in there. And I go, I don't even own a dinghy. I have no interest in yachts. He goes, go in there. So I'm eating my sandwich. I go in there and the guy, salesman goes, well, how can I help you? I'm just looking. And as I'm walking, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing string, I'm seeing pulleys, and I'm seeing that you can go like this, like this, like this, like this, and you can pull it at any end and it works. So all of a sudden, this idea comes up to me. You beauty, I can actually get a string line for two kilometers to go around Ben, and any time somebody wants to stop it, they just pull it. Everybody thought I was a genius, right? But the whole key is this, is I made the confession. It came to Jesus. Jesus took my confession, got it to the Father, and he said, we've got to make this thing work. That is why you make a confession. If somebody has wronged you, you make this confession. I will forgive you now. But I don't feel like it. I've changed my heart. See, my heart doesn't want to forgive, but my words change my heart. So when God says, I need you to do something, the first thing you do is you start making a confession. Look, just let me ask you a question. What is your confession? We're going to uh, worship to me if you like to come up. Because the, the food's going to come, sorry. <laughs> so now look. Every area of your life, you need a confession statement. Uh, uh, so what is your confession about how Jesus sees you? What is your, see, when people go, how does Jesus see me? Uh, he goes, well, he is he's, he's working really hard. No, my confession is this, is that God sees me like he sees Jesus. That's my confession. And any time I, I, I'm thinking about God, I make this confession. Wow, my father sees me like he sees Jesus. What is my confession about my relationships? My confession about my relationship is, is God is working with me to flourish my relationships. When, when I start, when, see, let me just, can, I, can we take this up to another level? If, you don't, if, we don't, if we don't exercise this, the world itself today, how many of you have heard some good news in the last three days or four days in the news? It's getting darker, it's getting darker. How are we going to survive what is coming without a confession that comes directly from God? 
when everybody's saying buckle down and oh God, I want to give more. When everybody's saying things are going to get bad, get ready, you're going to lose your job. No, I am going to prosper. See, what God is doing here and the Holy Spirit is doing us with the church, it is going, okay, the first thing I'm going to do, what has God said about me? Well, God said that I am totally forgiven, I am justified, I am righteous. That is my confession. But Ted, what about if my heart kind of goes, I don't know, look at this, no, no. What will happen is this, my heart will not change until I speak. What is your confession about the Word of God? My confession is this, the Word is near me. It's in my mouth and in my heart. So I'm confessing that I have 24-7 access to the Word. What is my confession about the future? My God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches in heaven. What, is, what, about, oh, what about if you get depressed? No, I will not get depressed. Because my confession is that if He who keeps His heart stayed on me, God will give him rest. So what we do is we start to change our heart. So here's the key. The word is near me. I confess the word. My heart gets changed. Faith is activated. Jesus takes my confession and a miracle happens. So you know what we need to do right now? Is this. That we will not keep God silent. How many of you want to keep Jesus busy? How many of you want to keep Jesus busy? We need to start making a confession. We need to start thinking my worship is a confession. My giving is a confession. My words are a confession. My dreams are a confession. What I think, what I say is a confession. And you know what Jesus is doing right now? He says, I'm waiting for it to come out of your mouth. See, your heart could be damaged. Your, your heart could be wounded. Your heart could be going, man, I don't want to know if I can trust anybody again. So what you do, you speak to your heart. You go, heart, Jesus heals you. Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you. And you see, every time you see, when you say a word, your heart changes. Do you, do you realize that you can have a perfect heart? Do you realize you can have a heart of love? You can have a heart of giving. You can have a heart of generosity. Why? It's because you've learned how to speak. See, the more you confess, the more Jesus takes your confession and he releases it. So what, you see, it starts off with my word, then it ends up, Jesus releasing. So he's finishing now. What do you need more of? What is it that you need more of? Now, I want you to take your mind off your finances or the people you know or whatever. It doesn't start with people. It starts with the Word of God. So my, tonight, what do you need? What do you need more of? Do you need more love? Do you need more peace? Do you need more opportunities? Do you need more help? Do you need more finance? Everything starts with I will declare. Do you know what? David said, now watch this, the power of confession. He was dying. And what was his confession? I will live and not die, and I will declare the glory of the Lord to my generation. David looked in 
And he just made a declaration. I will live and not die. I will prosper and not decrease. I will own the company that's paying for me now. See, one of the... I'll, I'll leave it till next week. When you realize that what you say changes your heart and that uncovers your faith, releases something, and then God says, Come on, let's make this happen. See, every time I make a confession, Jesus is staying dead or partnering with you. I am here as your high priest, your personal high priest that takes what's come out of your mouth and I make it good. So you know what happens? Is when you make a confession, God takes that word and right now, God is operating on your heart. Why don't you stand with me? Why don't you just lift up your hands? Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Father, we make a declaration, we make a confession that you're a good God and you're a good God to me. Father, I make a confession that everything is changing on my behalf.